This podcast is part of the Treksphere Network. To find more Star Trek-related content, visit treksphere.com. As you know, this is the measure of an episode, where it is our continuing mission to explore what makes a Star Trek episode a proper, a genuine Star Trek episode, and not just amazing television. <laughs> the best television. The reason this episode is the reason that... Or I guess I should say one of the reasons, because there are many good episodes, that this show is regarded as the pinnacle of science fiction. Yes? True story. I'm Paul. And I'm Jonathan. But the question is, is this proper Star Trek? Now, we do we decide that on three criteria. The first one is, is there science fiction uh, inherent in the plot? Is that sci-fi required for the plot to work? The second one is... Is the Star Trek? Uh, is the sorry, Star Trek? Is the science fiction unique or novel? And is it presented? Is it explained in some science fiction way, not just magic with a sci-fi skin? And the third one is there a moral or ethical dilemma in the plot for one of the characters to at least consider, if not decide? I'm Jonathan, and I'm Paul, and this week we watch Tim we- escape. <laughs> The Next Generation, Season 6, Episode 25, A Matter of Time. No, Jonathan, that's where you're supposed to interject was, and say, no, it's not a matter of time. Yourself. It's not a matter of time. It's second it chances. It's timescape. All, <laughs> all within three episodes of each other. All of them. Oh, really? Uh, well, second chance is the previous episode to this. Right. Where's a matter of time? And matter of time is not uh, three. I was just... Oh. Uh, I was exaggerating to make a point. Oh, sorry. The we point that. being that I'm funny. We'll cut it in post. Yeah. We'll fix it in post. <laughs> Actually, this, this episode is called Timescape. Uh, in my opinion, one of the better episodes to come out of the, the next-gen era. Yeah. Uh, the blurb, Captain Picard, Law Forge, Data, and Troy. Uh, no Oxford comma, yet again. Experience strange instances where either one Either one or several of them appear to be frozen in time. Which I like the way you read it, where either one. I mean, if you're going to use rendezvous with an inanimate <laughs> object, you might as well say either one when you're talking about four people. Yeah. That's uh, a reference to our really... previous episode. If you did not hear it, then when this episode is done, just keep listening. The last one will come up and you can hear where we talked about rendezvous probably within the first 10 minutes, right? Yeah, I think so. Oh, well, yeah. We talk about a lot of things unrelated to that particular episode. <laughs> Yeah, the last episode is we call the tangential episode because it's the episode (laughs) where nothing happened. But we're here. We are talking about it again. (laughs) Let's move on. Okay, so I was watching this episode and I was just sort of I didn't even watch it in uh, 1.5 speed. I slowed it down to one. Actually, I maybe may may have watched it in 1.5 speed when they were doing their impressions because it just that was kind of boring to me. Mm. Unnecessary, you know. But this would have made a great next-gen movie. Yes. If you think about it. It would have – if you had extended out the mystery a little bit more and thrown some money at it and maybe some different cast members were in the shuttle. I don't know. And actually saved the embryos because that was just kind of a, oh, I guess they're saved. They left that, I guess, to the imagination of the the viewer. Right. right. Because it wasn't clear if – or how the aliens were going to say, okay, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yes. So, <laughs> but just to answer your question, like, yes, they, if this had been fleshed out more, they would have been able to add a little bit more layers to the mystery and answer all of those things that we just have to go, oh, I guess it's okay then. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, the thing is, is that I, this, the reason I love this episode so much is because it is a solid mystery. Yes. And the way that they peel back the information very slowly is so 
great. It is yeah. so expertly done. And this is what my what I want my science fiction to be. I want it to be drawn out. I want it to be explorative. I, I want them to I want it to be a great mystery and procedural. Mm-hmm. All the things that all those things were in this episode and so well done. The episode starts out with Crusher having a gash on his head and Crusher's healing it. And the whole exchange felt like the introduction to a porn. He's like, I guess I can heal this. He's like, are you sure you can heal this? I guess, but I don't know. I'm going to need some help. You know, it's like, when, (laughs) what's happening here? I need you to take off your shirt for that wound on your head. It felt like that. The way that they were going back and forth, it was almost like they were blurting. Right. Although it kind of killed the mood for me when Riker says he hates cats. But then she says, I love cats. And then the nurse behind her walked behind and started disrobing. (laughs) You saw that? I did. Tell I did. Well, and R- okay. Riker seemed very confused by this. I mean, he was happy to go along with it, but he was like, oh, all right, uh, well, I'll continue <laughs> hating cats then. <laughs> Don't mind me. <laughs> okay. Um, so this whole thing. So they get a distress. The Enterprise gets a distress call from the Romulans. They're not sure what's going on. They go off and try and help. They're not, they think it's a trap. They go to Red Alert and they're like, well, let's go. And I felt like... They could have cut out this whole stuff, all the stuff on the Enterprise, and started with the runabout. And started with the runabout topic? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, or, or just cut out the, the doctor part. Like, that just seemed – that seemed even more establishing than was necessary. You know, they, they established that there was a distress call from the Romulans. They established that Picard was off on the runabout. Like, you didn't need that extra scene in – Sick bay. Or we, I would have liked it though if we didn't know that the Enterprise was responding to a distress call, because then that that makes that visual of when they eventually show the Enterprise and the Warbird in battle, ostensibly, way more hard hitting. Because the idea that okay, if you start it with the the uh, shuttle, the runabout as they call it. Then we don't know what's going on. This would not be the first time they started an episode with the runabout. It's not like that's totally you know, disturbing or anything right, like that. Right, sure. So you start it with that. Don't include the Enterprise. And then all of a sudden, hey, where's the Enterprise? We don't know. Mystery, right? As opposed to us having really no information other than we know that they were alive at the beginning of the episode. And that's it, which we would have assumed anyway. Like we don't get any information that we need to start the episode or for them to start with the rolling the mystery out. So just cut all that stuff. Yeah. And they they kind of figured out everything through the the evidence that opened to them, you know, that the Romulans had sent out a distress call and all that kind of thing. So so, yeah, we didn't need you're right. We didn't need that opener with Riker and the Enterprise at all. Yeah. And then we get sort of I guess it's kind of a famous scene where Picard does his his hypnotic impression of some professor who was giving a speech and it you know it hypnotizes data and stuff this impression felt very un-picard to me it felt like this is the sixth season the end of the sixth season and (laughs) maybe uh, patrick stewart was getting a little antsy and wanted to flex himself a little bit uh do you flex yourself or you just flex i think you just flex he wanted to flex I mean, yeah, you flex things on yourself, but I wouldn't say that you flex yourself. I'm going to flex my thing. But it has a great act out because... That's what Riker did. <laughs> no, he just watched. <laughs> but this has a great act out because everybody freezes in the middle of doing their impressions of everybody. 
and Troy is obviously alarmed, and then everybody starts moving again. And they don't. Everybody else who was frozen, they don't seem too concerned with that. She went from sitting down to standing up, and and immediately, a split right? Yeah. I totally expected LaForge to kind of finish his story and just be like, you know, uh, instead of looking at her, going, "Are you okay?" Like, yeah. like being cut <laughs> off on his story, you know, as it travels up. Right. Whoa, <laughs> yeah. They needed to not notice though, because they they needed her to be the only one who experienced this. So. Then they go through. It's amazing. It's a great act, act out because it's like, what just happened? So to speak to that act out, though, uh, the what I liked was that she actually answered them, which doesn't usually happen with those instances. True. Totally true. Yeah. That's, and I liked it. I liked that it wasn't just, uh, hello? Well, Deanna, why aren't you it, saying anything? <laughs> right, right. Right. Her looking at all of them with just a confused expression as the camera zooms in and then it cuts to the, the theme. <laughs> it's been a long road. I know it must be so weird when they're filming that because they don't hear the music, obviously. It's just a camera and they're supposed to kind of look disturbed or concerned for an extended period of time longer than one would do that and not say something. Well, I like I'm sure you've seen it. All of the the outtakes uh, with Riker um, with Jonathan Frakes, how when he's when he's doing the act out for the the teaser, um, when he finishes his last line, he'll pause for a moment. And he's like, (laughs) he always starts singing the theme song. You know, it's great. But it's not even the theme song. It's the hook. Like, it'd be funny if he like, he stands there for a moment. Then he's like, (laughs) well, he's not going to sing the intro. He's going to skip to the chorus. Right. You know, right. That's what any, any good porn actor does. (laughs) Um, Anyway. So we're about seven minutes into the episode now. Yeah, but this is so great. This is when they like it's such a great mystery. I wish yeah. I could have watched this for the first time again. Right? No. Yeah. Men you in black can't style. watch something. You can't watch something for the first time again, can you? No. Even if you were to somehow erase it from your memory. Well, if then you you'd be watching Eternal it again Sunshine. for the first time. Yeah, it would be a brand new experience for you. You would be watching it for the again. first time again. Yeah, but without without that amnesia or memory loss you can't you can see it again after having forgotten everything so it's like the first time which i guess is the same thing so yeah i would say so yeah i feel like you are splitting hairs if you're gonna say you watched it a long time ago but for you forgot everything and the memory was literally removed from your brain so you're watching it for the first time funny for such a good episode we're having a lot of tangents (laughs) I, i think this is just what happens when you know we're we're on a streak of episodes right. <laughs> maybe fusion was a good episode <laughs> no it wasn't <laughs> so anyway they go through these uh sequence of events where uh eventually deanna s- freezes and i felt like they handled it not perfect i felt right. like what should what should have happened was she should have been in the middle of talking or about to take a bite of something and then all of a sudden Picard and Jordy and Data are surrounding her yes. and she doesn't know what happened. But that's not kind of how they handle it. She was frozen for a second and then then that that's what happens. That would have been better, but that's a nitpick. Right. You know? Yeah. I, and I think also that – I mean we could have done it with a, a camera cut. But I think for it to have been smooth, they just didn't have the technology at that point to do that kind of a cut where for her it's seamless and for us it's right. you know it, it's jarring. And then they have the fuel depletion and they're like, what's going on? And then Picard's the fruit in the bowl. And then Picard tries to touch the rotten fruit for some reason. 
and his hand ages. And at this point, first time watching this, me must have been just riveted. It must have been just amazing. Uh, it's too bad because people who haven't seen this episode are listening to this. Right. Uh, I feel bad for you because we're spoiling everything for you. So go watch it. <laughs> why are you watching? Why are you listening to this podcast and not having seen the episode? So the part that I, I was kind of confused by was they were they were traveling and then they hit this thing that drains their their engine um, that, that drains the, the gas on one side. Uh, and it's I feel like so however fast they were traveling, either that that bubble that had the time dilation was big enough that it drained the the fuel nacelle in a fraction of a second or or sorry, it, it drained it um, in the time that it took to pass over it or it moved so fast that like, do you get what I'm trying to say? Like, it, so it just seems weird that these bubbles that were stationary, that they were able to navigate around were staying in places while the ship was moving. They didn't go into how big these bubbles were. I got the impression that there were small ones and big ones, and it's possible they passed through one. That It wasn't necessarily spheroid bubbles, even though I know right. all bubbles are around. They could have just been these weird shapes in space that were, in fact, millions of miles long, I guess, because I think the shuttlecraft can travel at warp speed. Yeah, because they do show them kind yeah. of take off. Yeah. So uh, I think... Uh, maybe they took it all. They didn't get into it. They did not get into it. We're going to give them the benefit of the doubt though. Okay. Because what if it was just a giant bubble that they passed through that it, as they were passing through, it was enough time for it to, but, but then it's still there when they right. stop. And even one second going at light speed is a really long ways. Yeah. So you're right. You're right. Maybe this is a bad episode. Mm. <laughs> it's terrible. Yep. <laughs> all falling into place now <laughs> i mean obviously once they get to once they're stopped and they see the bubbles and they're like yeah we can navigate it around at half impulse and that kind of thing like all of that's understandable but it was just the the traveling part where i was i was confused point is there are time bubbles and they keep passing through them and they don't know why actually they don't even know this until picard's hand i think the fuel depletion is still a mystery until they scan his hand and the fruit yeah which is so cool so cool. And then they finally come across – well, I have to say uh, in my defense <laughs> that Data puts the shuttlecraft on autopilot, something yeah. I feel like I've never seen before and something we've talked about before where why isn't – like they, they would not be traveling in space without an autopilot. There would, no, there would, no be manu, there would not be a manual mode in these spacecraft. Right. It would be too difficult. Yeah. Um but we've we've seen ships in autopilot before. I mean, you know, the fact that Worf is traveling for 12 days to get to whatever star, um, there's no way he's traveling, you know, staying awake the entire time. And he's pulling over to the, to the side of the galaxy <laughs> to take a nap. He puts little flares out so nobody, you know, runs into him. Right. It's a courtesy of the other, the other space travelers. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of inferred that there's autopilot, but I've never heard them say engage the automatic navigation system. They've never said that. I know they say that in Voyager. I remember there being an episode where Paris is all bent out of shape because they're going to have the computer drive them through some sort of circuitous route that will take them less time to do because the computer's doing it. The right. computer should always be doing it. Right. Always. Unless data's navigating. Right. And it's in which the computer is still doing it. The computer's it. still yeah. doing it. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> So then they come upon the Enterprise and the Warbird uh, seemingly in a battle. 
and they're mm-hmm. unsure and they're trying to suss out what's going on. They figure out they can go over there if they put these little things on their arms. I forgot what they called them. And they're still figuring stuff out. They're still going through some, I mean, they, we are well into the episode at this point by the time they beam over to the ship. Right. And, and they're just, there's no battles. There's no sentimentality. There's no B plot. Yeah. It's just pure mystery and pure, pure mystery. procedural. Yep. They're just they're They even have a two minute scene of them in the Jeffries tubes. They're climbing down the ladder. They eat should they show each of them climb down the ladder. They don't do the fancy snappy thing where they show the last person uh, climbing down the ladder and that's it. All uh-huh. three of them get shown climbing down the ladder and then opening up to see that their passageway is blocked. They're like, right. let's go around. Like that is perfect. That's great science fiction. <laughs> Procedural. We're all going to climb down the ladder. Nothing says classic sci-fi like climbing ladders. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, yes. But all of them, all characters must be seen climbing down the ladder. Right. Right. I mean, and then they, so there's, yeah. there's a workout montage, which is boring and superfluous, but there's – the turbo lift doesn't work because its time is frozen, so we need to use the ladder where every step on the ladder should be shown because that's proper sci-fi. Right, but you're riveted, right? <laughs> you're waiting for what's going to happen next. Um, I really – hang on. B- before you go any further, I want to point out the, the subspace force field that they're wearing. That's what it was called. The yeah. only other time it's mentioned is Time's Arrow, and that's when they had it put around the, um, the aliens – and so that's what they were talking about, where they could shrink it down to be skin tight. Oh, wow. And they also called upon Troy's undercover, where she kind of became a Romulan. Mm-hmm. Because when they beam over to the Romulan ship to do investigating, she kind of takes the lead in where stuff is and how the Romulan bird, Warbird works. Right. Which was and cool. So I'm so, I think that that episode happens before this episode, right? Where she's... Yeah, it's Face of the Enemy. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Wow. Oh, look at you. Yep. <laughs> I know trivia when I read it. <laughs> uh, and then Picard gets temporal narcosis. Yeah. And we had and the 20th century analogy to understand what happened. What was what I thought they should have done, though, was they should have had him start talking as the boring professor. <laughs> right. That would have been a good callback that he was sort of he, he was being funny and being being silly. Again, something Picard never does, but it was something that we know, like it gave us context for the silliness as opposed to just sort of being weird and silly. I don't know. Right. That's another nitpick, but it would have been cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, we've, already, we've already passed it. This was, at the time it was neat, but this was a scene that I felt was unnecessary when we went on to the female Romulan and saw her moving. Um you thought it was unnecessary? Well, later on, I thought it was unnecessary. Like, it was an intriguing mystery um, until we saw the – until later on when the when we saw the other male Romulan moving around. Yeah, she sort of disappears for most of the episode. Yeah. And then she comes back. I, I don't know if it would have been better. I mean, I know that, that they wanted to do that because it kind of upped the stakes and you're kind of waiting for her to show up. Right. But uh, I kind of agree with you because it was too early to introduce her, I think. Yeah. Because there's just so much time in between her and when she actually shows up interacts again. with well, the people. Yeah, and the the other thing too was it. I don't. At that point, I don't know if it necessarily had to be a Romulan um, because she was on the Enterprise ship, and so it would have been neat if it was a Starfleet officer on Enterprise. Right. 
Yeah, but then you get into the whole thing because we've been we we've been down this road before where they introduce a character who we've never seen before, but seems to have you know some sort of importance in the plot. Right. We we they've cried wolf with this one, and so maybe they thought, and I, they all I think they also wanted to imply that the Romulans there's something screwy going on. Yeah, but then when the male Romulan was like, "No, there is another one of us," like it it took out the mystery of you're right. Right. why she was able to move around you know it was like oh that's the other one okay but where did she yeah. go you know and there wasn't anything it diffused it yeah. yeah yeah that that's my point that's my only nitpick about that yeah you're right i'm not really you're sure right. how they could have switched that other than like once we saw him moving maybe we saw another romulan moving around on the enterprise um i don't know how you do that because he had to be on the warbird right have that scene did he though yeah i guess because they were over there so he had to be there, and they had to have somebody else on the Enterprise for that scene to happen. Yeah. So that's a tough one. Maybe they introduced that Romulan a little bit later. I don't know. Right. So anyway, yeah, yeah. yeah maybe you're right. Maybe it's a bad episode. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's all my that's my goal. This episode is to convince you that this episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation <laughs> is actually a bad episode, just like the, our previous episode, Fusion. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so Picard goes back to the runabout, and he is being treated for his narcosis. His temporal narcosis. His temporal narcosis. Have you Get had that dish? That, oh, so good. <laughs> it's good fried. Right. I guess all temporal narcoses are fried. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Sh- okay. Uh, shrimp temporal. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like temporal mushrooms. They all get soggy, you know. They really do. It's yeah. they they just don't hold it. It's which which is sad because they're delicious. But I think if they were to use dried mushrooms in temporal mushrooms, it would have been better. I would eat them. There's no moisture all the time. <laughs> get it? Oh oh yeah. I'm sorry, I missed that. Sorry, right. I had to explain it. That's what makes it funny. <laughs> That'll be on the T-shirt. <laughs> Both sides. <laughs> we know a joke is a, jo- a joke is it will make it onto the t-shirt if it can fulfill both the both side criteria you know yep if, if a joke is self-explanatory it does not uh does not make it yeah the back the back needs to look like all the locations that uh, an international tour is going on <laughs> and it's just an explanation of why the joke is funny or it looks like sort of the detective like string map where they're trying to find like connect all of the different suspects and locations. <laughs> it's got to look like that. Just a random string theory of just all the points as to why this is funny. Just <laughs> why it's funny. <laughs> all right. So now now Picard has to sit out. You know, so thinking about this episode, um, it's kind of interesting because we oh, no, until the end. I was going to say we we lose players one by one. You know, Jordy can't right, go Jordy, Yeah, Jordy gets hurt and then they, they take him out of time. He's out mm-hmm. of time. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. So you two can play at this game. Right. Well, and Picard has to sit out because his time is up. Nice. Man, there's so many. <laughs> right. So. I think that's what it. Was I, gonna say? I think that might be it. Until. Yeah. <laughs> right. Until the next one. <laughs> So they then they do this really cool thing where time goes forward and then backwards. So they see the Enterprise blow up or Picard sees the Enterprise blow up on a blue screen because he doesn't react to it. He sees this giant explosion right? just stays there. I know. He just, <laughs> he just watched his crew and ship completely explode and he just watches. Yeah. Almost as though he can't see it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, still, like, it's Patrick and, Stewart. Like he must he must not have known – what he was looking at like he must not have known that the the enterprise 
was exploding at that point and like maybe something else was happening where it, it didn't finish the explosion and they decided in post that they wanted to make it more extreme they may have created that yeah as though they they maybe it was going to happen the camera as though the camera is in space as opposed to over the shoulder of picard and they created it and that's why he doesn't react right uh, that happens although this is sort of the beginning of blue screen acting where we didn't quite understand that even though you can't see it like the act, you still have to act as though you can, and maybe they just as as well directed as this episode is that they just weren't thinking in those terms. Right, and you have to say now it's exploding now. You know that's why that's why actors hate acting in front of blue screens is because they're just in this void. Mm-hmm. You know, so when it cuts to Picard, his his reaction, he does react a bit, although it's still a bit understated considering yeah. what just happened, and that he doesn't know it's going to reverse itself. Right. Yeah. So I definitely, I definitely would have given a little bit more direction there. Um, do you know who directed the episode? No. Adam Nimoy. Oh, good yeah. for Adam Nimoy. Yeah. So it is, it is Leonard Nimoy's son, and, and his previous directorial credits before this was Little Rascals. <laughs> what about Fusion? nope well i don't okay. i don't know because maybe yeah. yeah yeah like he he may have ultimately directed that one but that was not before this um yeah. but yeah the um rick berman actually thought that he did a good job directing kids but because the movie kind of didn't do so well he was given a bad rap and he was like he he needs to be given the opportunity to actually direct adults and this is what ended up and you know hey yeah i'm surprised he's not more maybe he is a big tv director i don't know right but he did a good job although it would be hard to mess this one up there's so much good material you know yeah um and so just really quick to to speak to the story um the this was pitched um you know by a, a freelance writer and he can't and the the original idea was um Spaceships trapped in time like an ember. Uh, not like an ember. Like uh, spaceships trapped in time like amber. There we go. Um, right. and like the dinosaurs. Right. <laughs> dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and his original idea was that Enterprise would come upon two ships that were battling. And um, and I uh, I think it was Ronald D. Moore. I'm not positive. But uh, he was like, no, no, no. The Enterprise has to be one of them. And he, he was already revising the script that he received and there was another script that they couldn't use at the time so this one got rushed into production so the freelance writer actually literally just gave them the idea and usually they're they're brought in for rewrites and to actually flesh out the script um and this time they they needed it so quickly that they they couldn't use him at all oh that's too bad um and this was this was the follow-up to cause and effect um they you know they said like they they wanted to do something they said cause and effect times 10 like cause and effect was on a time loop but this is going to move forward and backward in time hey they did a great job i would not say this is as good as cause and effect that one is also one of those great mysteries sans b plot just Mm -hmm. pure procedural right but uh yeah still good still good yeah i'm surprised it's so weird because it is so foreign in today's tv writing world that they would ever accept any kind of outside script. Right. It just would never happen. Yeah. And the idea that they were doing that with just the general public could submit a script to one of the biggest television shows on television. Right. And it would it would get taken. And you could be brought in to the writer's room yeah. to help. I mean, I'm sure that you could still give ideas and I'm sure the, the writers still take them on modern shows. It's just through a different medium. Right. They go on the on Reddit and say like, oh, that is a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, you what guys, a great idea. Was you started a TV show. That's so cool. <laughs> Never get paid for it. Yep, yep. 
so yeah, they do this cool thing where the t- they they say, okay, well, we saw time go forward and then snap back. What if we reversed time? What if we reversed the polarities? Yep. Yeah. And then let it run forward and then stop everything from happening. And it's great. And they do that and they fix everything. I mean, I, you know, we could go into what they do, but it's you know, well. But- so what was interesting to me uh, was they seemed like they had a very narrow window of time to um, to get LaForge to the sick bay to stop Crusher from being shot by the Romulan and to stop the warp core breach. And LaForge was beamed immediately to sick bay. Crusher was saved and data gets knocked out, tries to stop the guy from activating the, the deflector or whatever it was. He doesn't stop him in time. He puts a shield around the warp core he informs the captain and they still like they they still do something else i forgot oh they they bring the runabout through the beam all of this before the warp core actually winds up breaching i feel like it wouldn't cut the beam off it would just cut through the runabout and then continue right <laughs> it's like well that was an expensive experiment nailed <laughs> <Right. laughs> but they, but they fix the problem nonetheless and everything is great and then there's this weird little coda with weird oh you know, it was a great little coda i love it's this great coda. it's great but it's again with the codas that don't seem to apply except he's they're kind of bringing the time thing in but yeah it's still unrelated and of course they call back the cat you know right uh but i what i did like about it is that it's more evidence that data consistently gets the graveyard shift right because he says reported 2300 hours yeah right yeah <laughs> yep. Yeah, so I guess I guess Data gets the the graveyard shift. Well, yeah, so I I have to assume that he gets the graveyard shift, and then he's just kind of on call through the rest of the the time. So he does get a significant amount of time to himself, but he's also available whenever they need him. Right. Well, he's got time to watch pots boil. So <laughs> well, right. I'm guessing he's got quite a bit of free time, and he's got time to to practice the violin and practice sneezing. <laughs> Right. Although, does a computer practice? Well, th- they talk about that. Like he, how he, like he makes a mistake or something on one of his performances, and and he says, you know, yeah, it's a it's a way to help me feel more human. Uh, I like I programmed in flaws or you know something like that, imperfections. Um, so because he's like, I, I can play it flawlessly, but I I know that humans can't, so I I endeavor not to. Okay. Yeah. Oh, he says, turn off your internal chronometer. So the idea is that he turns it off immediately, and then he is surprised by the pot boiling. Yes. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, which was great. Yeah. He says, but just don't be late for your shift. Yeah. Everything about this episode is great. So here's the problem, though. I don't know if this is a proper Star Trek episode. Yeah, I'm going to say it's not. (laughs) Yeah. Which is sad. I'm trying to invent some morality here. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, here, here's my pitch, Jordy, Troy, uh, data and, um, well, maybe not data. Cause I don't think he ever explicitly says this, but certainly Picard that they all assume they immediately assume upon seeing the warbird that the warbird is attacking the enterprise. So they are, they're being a bit bigoted that, uh, oh, they're Romulans. Therefore they must be terrible villains <laughs> and, <laughs> and wait for it. Wait, wait, I got more. And the fact that they are – they go through this arc of assuming one thing because of a stereotype. And by the end of it, they're all friends and they all help each other to get through 
a a a, sing, a singular problem, and they realize no, <laughs> they realize that not all Romulans are bad just because of the way they look. <laughs> Uh, no, because the Romulan warbird, for whatever reason, was blasting at the Enterprise. There were there were blasters uh, going towards the Enterprise. And the moment they got on the ship, Picard said, none of the people on here have phasers, so that doesn't make any sense. Right, but they, they needed to be presented with evidence to convince them of that, as opposed to if they had met with some other ship. I can't think of another race right now. But that they wouldn't have just immediately assumed— that oh it's a warbird, they are uh, they must be attacking us because they're a terrible race and all of them are bad. No, because frozen in time they were attacking. There were blasts going towards the Enterprise. <laughs> like you can't. This see is that. a very specific situation <laughs> that they should not have jumped to conclusions on. <laughs> with, I'm sorry if I see a bullet <laughs> frozen in time in midair towards somebody that I care about. I'm not going to be like, well, hold on. <laughs> Right, but this is the Enterprise we're talking about. They've seen some stuff, yeah. right? So, so they, should not, they should not be jumping to conclusions, even if they see something that, that on its surface seems to be one way, but in, in reality is, is another way. No. I think I've convinced yourself. <laughs> and if you and so say, if you I say hereby this declare. is proper Star Trek, I'm going to hold this over you when it comes again later on. And you're like, this isn't proper Star Trek. I'll be like, ah. Yeah. I'm willing to set the precedent. I'm willing to get rid of the filibuster, as it were. <laughs> and I'm saying this is a proper Star Trek episode. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, we're all agreed. Yep. We're all agreed. <laughs> no, this is great TV. It's a fantastic sci-fi mystery. They peel back layers along the way. Unfortunately, it does not fulfill the third criteria of a moral or ethical dilemma. You are a bigot, sir. (laughs) And even if we go back to our first couple episodes, this is not proper Star Trek because it doesn't have a B plot. plot. (laughs) Well, that's what, what, how, how is that relevant? I'm just saying, no matter how you slice it, this is not a proper Star Trek episode. (laughs) Oh, well, as long as we're referring to rules that no longer apply. (laughs) Whether you're dealing with present us or past us, because anyone who's listening to this, it's all present. It doesn't matter. This is not proper Star Trek. Are you suffering from temporal narcosis? (laughs) Had a little too much temporal narcosis last night. Uh, so, okay, fine. So you don't have to, but I am. This is a yes, yes. No. And no, you're, <laughs> you're being yes, stubborn yes, no, because no. you want it to be because it's so good. And I completely agree with that. But I, I laid out in no uncertain terms why there was morality. Oh, I know. Uh, woven, I know. Woven yeah. through this episode. And I explained why you're wrong and you're not listening. <laughs> well, we'll have to agree to, uh, disagree, to disagree. <laughs> agree to disagree to disagree. Does that make sense? No. Uh, if you're agreeing to disagree to disagree, that means we agree. Ha ha! No, that means we agree that we're disagreeing. We, if we agree to disagree that we disagree, that means we are disagreeing that we disagree. So we are we both agree. Okay. Yeah, but that's I'm not going with that. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't sign up for that. <laughs> yeah. uh, I remember what the thing was, by the way. 
Okay. Uh, we we did have a moment, and I, I think I'm going to start using this from now on, just so like because it it was such a great little comment. But uh, we had a, another am data love moment um, <laughs> at the beginning when data was listening to the rest of the crew mocking the other professors and how uh, Troy was laughing about how this man wanted to have unsubstantiated sex with her. And he's like, and Data was like, well, Troy, did you? Right. You know, he Data do- doesn't, doesn't understand sexual assault. <laughs> right. But yeah, so this is, a, this is a no yes, no yes from both of us. Let's see what we're watching next. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Original series, season one, episode two, The Man Trap. So this is way back at the beginning. Um, this is actually the original series premiere. Um, the the series premiere was The Cage, um, and that was never aired. So this is actually the original series premiere of Star Trek. Uh, the crew is stopped cool. by a shape-shifting creature that drains the salt from humans. When it is unintentionally brought aboard, Scotty faces a decision. Oh, well, it looks like we're going to have a dilemma. Yeah, well, he faces a, a decision to retire or not. <laughs> to, well, I, yeah, face, faces a decision. It isn't. Is there is there any way he could face a decision that I mean yeah like do I go left or right that's not a moral or ethical <laughs> dilemma unless he's going into politics I guess yeah but only one way to find out let's go read it on Wikipedia okay there's two ways to find out <laughs> many ways to find out uh, at any rate I've been Paul I've been Jonathan and this has been the measure of an episode as you knew. <laughs> <laughs>